this is Phil with The Voice Party. This week's episode has been brought to you by All Roads Overhead's Garage Door. Let's be honest, this is the Bay Area. If you even got a garage, you're doing pretty well for yourself. So if you want to upgrade your life, why not start what matters most? The garage door. Upgrade your garage door today and upgrade your life. Mm. All Roads Overhead Garage Doors. 510-375-8756. Upgrade your life today. Welcome to the Voice Party. We got today very special guest, Mr. Paul Wood. What's up? What's up, guys? Paul S. Wood or Paul Wood? I know you're in the book. It's Paul S. Wood. Just Paul Wood. Paul Wood. That works. As long as you don't add the S on the end. Paul Woods. Paul Woods. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. what everybody does. <laughs> <laughs> so, man, you, you, we actually used to work at Comcast together. Um, I, used to swap, I used to swap days with him at Comcast. I was like, that's a good guy. He's willing to give up his Sunday for mine. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Um, you left that job re- well recently, about what a year ago, because uh, of an incident, which is the 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 reason yeah. you wrote this book. Yeah. So, I was going to Jack in the Box on my lunch break, and I was ordering some food, and they were handing it to me. And my window on my driver's side was rolled halfway up, so I was resting my the back of my arm on the window mm-hmm. to grab my food. And so when I pulled my arm in the window, I sort of rolled my bicep across the top of my window in a way that just made me grit my teeth. I thought I folded a muscle or I did something really bad. It just really hurt for about a minute and a half. I had to pull over and just you know, take the pain. And, uh, then it went away. I was able to work the rest of the day. I was able to climb ladders. I wasn't sore the next day. I was able to come into work and, you know, just do my full range of duties. Uh, but did you, you, you did feel stuff when you, I didn't feel anything. Uh-huh. No, I wasn't even sore. I thought, cool. I looked down at my bicep. There was no bruising, no nothing. I thought what hurt so bad. Oh well, I'm not going to ask any questions, and I just, you know, said forget it. A, it was like a like a trivial thing, nothing, nothing that. Yeah. It's just like, oh, I hurt myself. Yeah. Like I, I, like, I hit my toe on the right. Yeah. Almost like a, a cramp or something. Like I said, I felt like a folded muscle. I don't know how to explain it because it hurt, but yeah. I didn't know what I had done. Um, turns out I had crushed a lymph node. Um, what what exactly is a lymph node? I I kind of know, but not. Uh, I don't know how to explain it, but there's like a freeway that goes through right. your body, and there's yeah. little grapes along the freeway, and those little grapes are important. So I, yeah, I know. It, so, so the lymph node is a grape. It's a grape sized, like muscle, not muscle. Something it, it's something to do with like the way your blood circulates. <clears throat> right, it sends it all back to the liver. You have a lymphatic system, uh-huh. uh, and this is the scary part about it, is that if Lymph- you get cancer in your lymph node, your biggest fear is that it's just going to carry throughout your entire body quickly. Because it travels throughout It's going to hop on the freeway. Yeah. It's going to go up and down your legs and everywhere. So uh, so with that, you, <coughs> it, you bursted a lymph node. and it- So I went to the doctor. Uh-huh. I had a PPO at the time which I didn't know the difference between HMO, PPO. Uh, PPO is basically the one where you pay for yeah. most of your stuff. Right. And the doctor says, well, you know, before we go to imaging, uh, we're going to have you just do a 
sonogram so we can see kind of what's going on in there. And I said, sonogram, like, this is it? Like, what are you talking about? Like, let's do the full, you know, oh, no, you're going to have to pay up to $5,000 for imaging and everything. And I said, what are you talking about? Aren't I covered here, you know? And so he did a little bit of the uh, sonogram, and he says, uh, yeah, something's going on with the lymph node. Looks like you may have crushed it. So I said, okay, um, so can we do some testing? And, you know, it was just going to cost so much, and I, I was confused. I went back to work, and luckily my buddy had a shoulder surgery recently. He says, no, man, you need Kaiser. He says, I went to Kaiser. I paid a $100 copay. They did a whole surgery on my arm. I'm fine. I looked. There was two days left in open enrollment. Yeah. And I switched my benefits immediately. That was lucky. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it was God. Yeah, yep. yeah. You know, so much happened during this episode. When, when did this happen? And and this like when you bursted your lymph node? When was this? Let's Last see. year? Yeah, I left work in March. Right. So March I probably yeah okay. yeah. So I probably heard it. I want to say November, maybe, maybe December, because mm -hmm. it it was gone. Yeah, and I thought nothing of it. And then one day, I see a little lump in my bicep, mm. and I said, "What is this? Like some dried blood from my injury or something?" You know, but it wasn't dark like a blood blister or anything. I didn't know what to think of it, so I said, "Ah, forget it. I'm just gonna kind of let it work itself out." and uh got bigger and bigger and i was like okay this thing's the size of like three grapes now like wow. what's going on here you know um <clears throat> so i had kaiser and i went in and they did a bunch of tests and the doctor says you know regret to inform you you know mr wood this is cancer and i said no it's not i just hurt my arm on my window like what are you talking about he says, oh, no, this is a rare form of T-cell lymphoma. And uh, Quick question for you real quick, just to interrupt, because this is scaring me. Yeah, yeah. Did you crushing it cause the cancer, or was the cancer already there? So, like, that, so that, that was one of my questions, right? Like, uh -huh. is, uh, I flipped out, like, Doc, uh, did you tell me I got cancer on my window? Like, what are you talking about? And right. he says, everybody has cancer in their body. Yeah. You can just piss it off. You can activate it. Um, and that, that alone was a scary thought, you know? Wow. Yeah. So where I like these ticking time bombs or, or box, each one of us is carrying a box load of nitroglycerin. You could just be possibly dear Lord. Boom. So you set it off by, by, <laughs> or, or there's no, well, like, cause I'm thinking, what if you, you, it would have kind of activated on its own, but you doing that may, maybe saved your, I mean, you know, that's, <laughs> I'm just thinking that it's a scary thing. It's really hard to tell. Yeah. Um, you know, a long time ago when I was crawling under a house yeah. for Comcast, I got some white gunk on my elbow and I didn't know what it was. It was kind of sticky and I was like, this is some kind of iron in the soil or what is this? And I wiped it off and it continued to break out for the next few months. And I would clean it, and it just seemed oily. And I'd use oil, shampoo, I mean soap and stuff on it, and I'd try to scrub it. 
and it would always get a little pimple there and break out. And I was always like, what the heck is going on here, right? So part of me wonders if I got some kind of cancer that day that maybe seeped in and hung out there and then like uh asbestos kind of thing or something yeah i mean who knows what's under people's houses right yeah that's true who Especially knows? in the bay area with these old houses <clears throat> yeah which i'm reason why i'm glad i'm not doing that as much anymore you know yeah like, yeah. yeah yeah so I, I really had to think that god yeah hurt my arm on my window to show me that something was in my arm wow. because I was a safety champion. Yeah. There was no way I was going to get hurt on the job. One of the best workers. Thank you. The company. Thank you. I hustled, man. I hustled. And uh, the company taught me a lot. Right. No, yeah. Taught me how to fight the inner voice that really wants you to just quit and give up. You know, got to push through it. So I looked into cancer and found out that it was your cells uncontrollably dividing Mm -hmm. because i didn't even know what cancer was like i got cancer i'm like okay i got cancer now this sounds really bad what is it that's i don't yeah right i don't even know what what is cancer yeah yeah it's when your cells are dividing rapidly uncontrollably so it's interesting because your white cells is what fight infection or sickness and when your cells are dividing you're not going to get sick because you have tons of white cells. Mm-hmm. So you're like really healthy, yeah. but you have cancer. Right, right. So it's this weird thing, you know? So, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I looked it up and I started looking at thousands of years of Chinese medicine and what kind of foods could I eat to combat this because yeah. all of a sudden I was just terrified. Like, a lot of misinformation with that too, I'm sure. For sure. Oh yeah. yeah. You go on the internet and it's like... Everyone has a cure for every disease. Do this! And it's a way to make yourself get worse cancer, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. 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 So yeah. you have to be careful about what you look at right. and stuff like that. But when you go to your doctor and say, what should I be eating to combat this? They won't tell you anything. Like, I know they're not allowed to. Oh. Uh, but it's like... Because yeah. it... it, it uh, conflict of interest or something yeah yeah they just that's weird yeah they tell you keep your same diet really and i'm like you don't know my diet i could be going to burger king every day right. so yeah you um, weren't a cigarette smoker either right no, no. i don't remember you yeah. okay. know no ah, that's right okay not not that that would you know i just wanted to because you I, I remember you were a healthy dude you you never but like yeah. i said cancer is in everything and i don't know i i still don't i have had family members that pass away from cancer and I still don't know. I mean, it's something that a lot, I, I, there's hunt, like a lot of people have, but you know, like AIDS, you know what the cause is, you know, or yeah, cancer just kind of comes up and it's like sometimes the last person you would imagine to have cancer. Yeah. You know, I used to tell people, I don't know, it's kind of sick that I came up with this saying, but I used to say people die of cancer. They don't die of car chases and gun shootouts, you know, like you think. Yeah. Like, everybody that I knew in life that got cancer died. Right. And that was it. Yeah. Like, And it was fast. It was like two years. Wow. You know? So, I was looking at a death sentence. Yeah. And uh, was pretty pretty terrified. I mean, my son, you know, he was only six years old. And uh, my wife and I literally just got married wow. in September and went on a honeymoon to the Yucatan Peninsula. Yeah. And life was at an amazing peak. And 
then I came back and started the year with cancer and was like, wow, from super highs to super lows, you know? So I sat one night at my desk, my computer desk by myself, you know, you start getting these moments where nobody exists, but you, Yeah. and you think of all the people that you love, but it's just you dealing with this right you're alone in your corner and you don't know what you're gonna do and you know i'm gonna talk to god so i sat and i asked the lord i said please tell me you're gonna be with me on this journey tell me you're gonna walk by my side and focus on my left arm right now because i need you right now please show me a sign and I felt, you know, I held back a little when it comes to asking for a sign because I, I feel like blasphemous. I don't want to. Well, yeah, I don't want to make the Lord prove Himself, and I also don't want to be like, "Look, that leaf, it just fell from that <laughs> tree. There was my sign." Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. like <laughs> right. Don't look for hope where there may be none. Yeah, yeah right. Because uh, the Lord may have just wanted you home. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I had to accept that if this was what the Lord wanted, I didn't have a choice in it. Mm-hmm. Prior to this, you, I remember, the, I, you know, from what I read in the book, you weren't really religious, right? Or any spiritual... I've always believed in God, <clears throat> but I don't go to church. Okay. And, I, and now I do. I go okay. more than I used to. But Good. I always felt like, and I heard this, and it always resonated with me, that you can pray where you stand. Mm-hmm. You don't need to be in a church. Yeah. Um, but on the other side of that, I now see the benefits of going to church because I've met so many great people. And when I needed strength, these people who I didn't know made sure they got in contact with my wife to get our email address and to just randomly send me strength and power through words. And, you know, you can't put a price on that kind of stuff. So that definitely had a big impact on on during your treatment also, right? Like. Yeah, I mean, so I asked for a sign, and when I went back to work, you know, they knew what I was going through, and they were being real good about letting me just hang around the office all day. They weren't making me go out in the field, uh, you know, normally they're whoosh, yeah, whoosh, yeah. cracking the whip, and they were just, they were totally hands-off, like, letting me hang out, but it's 10 hours. It's weird hanging out. It's 10 yeah, hours, yeah. and I was, like, begging the supervisor, like, you got to let me go do something, man. Let me out of here. Let me go take a technician some equipment or something. I promise I won't crawl or climb or do anything, and the supervisor says, all right, man, I'll tell you what. You know, there's this lady, a technician forgot to hook her printer up to the Wi-Fi this morning. Can you just go handle that? I said, oh, yeah, that's cake. Thank you. So I take off, and I show up at this lady's house, and I knock on her door, and she says, who is it? And I said, Comcast. And she says, nonsense, young man. You have a name. Who comes <laughs> to my home? And I thought that was a bit different yeah. than a normal customer mm-hmm. response, right. you know. The hell do you want? <laughs> right. Yeah. No, it's just Comcast, you know. You guys are an hour late, you know. Um, so I appreciated this and I, right. I went in i said oh hello my name's paul you know nice to meet you probably 
I want to say 50 to 60 year old mm-hmm. Latina with white lady. Mm-hmm. Um, she brings me in. I fix her problem within 30 seconds, and you know she's very pleasant. She says, uh, "Paul, if you don't mind me asking, how come you have on this Mark Echo sweatshirt rather than your Comcast regalia?" I said, uh, "Oh well, you know I got something going on in my arm. Could be cancer, you know." Mm-hmm. And she says, oh, do you mind if I pray on your arm? And I said, knock yourself out, you know. And uh, she focuses her energy over my arm and starts praying on a level that I've never seen. Like, it was normal, recited, memorized, Mm -hmm. important prayer for the first minute. And then it went into tongues tongues and she's praying in tongues on my arm and when she gets done she says paul do you have a bible at home quick and, just to interrupt quick question when you say tongues like the, you mean another language or yeah like a, oh shit. yeah like it, this I, I don't know if it latin it something? was probably latin yeah. um but very deep prayer deepest wow. prayer i've ever heard in my life and she says uh do you have a Bible at home? And I said, well, I have the action Bible, which is more of a comic book style for my son. Yeah. You know? She says, I have an extra Bible. I'm going to sign it for you and send you home with it. And I said, uh, oh, thanks. You know, appreciate it. Have a good day. Wave to her, walked out her front porch and down her steps. And I froze in my tracks. I'll never forget the feeling I got right then because I just realized I got my sign that I had asked for. Yeah. This to me was not only was this the last customer I ever saw in the field. To, oh yeah. The yeah, last, last customer. customer. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, it was just, you know, we come across maybe one or two religious customers per year as yeah. technicians. Right. Uh, it was just too much of a coincidence for me, and I froze. I didn't want to leave. I felt like I just met my guardian angel. Yeah. And. I didn't want to be a creep and like hang out on her porch. But <laughs> Can I come back in? <laughs> yeah, right. I had to give you a hug. Like I had to tell my legs to move because I was just like, you know how they talk about Elysium in yeah. uh, uh, Gladiator? Yeah. Yeah. I was in Elysium. I was peaceful. Yeah. I was right there. My hands were going across the top of the plants. <laughs> yeah. It was an amazing feeling because then I felt invincible. Like, I'm getting a sign. This means God's going to be with me. Yeah. I don't know if this means I'm going to survive yet. Right, right. But, man, this is a good sign. Yeah. yeah <laughs> right? Yeah. So. Especially this was the day before, the day after you prayed for that sign. Three days. Or three days. So here's an interesting thing, too. I've noticed once, once the Lord helped me and I got through everything and I was in the hospital and I was healing up. I, I told the Lord, and this was this is the name of the book, is I, I said, Lord, you know, you have made my cup runneth over. Please bring me someone else to help. Cup. Right? Because and I said, Lord, I, I'm not very good at finding people. You have to bring me someone. Yeah. But I promise I'll help as many people as you can bring me. And three days later, he brought me a four year old girl with cancer. <clears throat> wow. She had no hair, and she was playing on the floor. Her mother uh, had asked me if I could just talk with her because I had no hair either. 
And uh, this girl looked, I'll never forget the look on her face, like she was just angry at the world. Yeah. She was occupying herself with her toys, but she just didn't care about anything else going on in this world. She was angry. Mm-hmm. And Four-year-old, you said? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, her mother said she had had a tumor at the base of her skull. They had removed her skull and removed the tumor, and she had a bunch of chemo. So she was doing really well, but in her eyes, life sucked. Yeah. And it sucked bad. And I, before I went into the room to go meet her, I got real nervous. And I thought, oh man, I better put on a happy face or I better, you know, put on some kind of act. Yeah. God told me instantly, don't you dare try to put on any kind of face in front of a child that child will see right through you and i thought you're right so i just walked in and uh you know i was talking with my friend and she saw me she saw i had no hair she saw i was smiling she looked at my head and she looked at my face and she looked at my head and she looked at my face And she couldn't believe that somebody with a Sonic the Hedgehog t-shirt had cancer and was smiling and was doing okay. Yeah. And I could tell that I instantly changed her whole outlook on herself and how things were going to be. So three days later, the Lord brought me someone. The Lord showed me a sign. Three days later, I started to think there's something about that third day. Yeah. When you work with the Lord that something may happen on the third day. How how long before that had you learned that you had cancer? Before the little girl? Yeah. Uh so let's see. I left work in March. So I found out I had cancer probably probably February. And then I did my stem cell transplant like November so this was probably January maybe December or January that I saw this little girl okay and if you don't mind me asking so back backing up a little bit so you you learn you have cancer and it's there's there's kind of a whole process of there's kind of a whole process of of of, of you know um accepting it and everything like that um can, can you can you you know as much as you're comfortable with sharing oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. How, how does that process feel because inevitably we're, we'll all face death one day yeah uh, some some of us will know beforehand some some won't yeah i'm gonna freeze my body so I'll speak for yourself <laughs> <laughs> i i uh i don't know how to describe it uh like i said earlier you're you're alone yeah. You're alone because you realize very quickly when you're given a death sentence that, you know, everything that you've already received is good enough. And that how dare you be greedy and say, no, you must continue to give me more. And you start to feel like, you know, there's a lot of people that have been dealt a lot worse hands. Um I've had a great life, and you sort of start to, you know, 
get sad, obviously, because your your family and your friends. Yeah, you said a six year old at the time. Oh man, I mean, my son. I couldn't even think of him without just you yeah. know breaking down. Um, and you know, one thing that I didn't expect, which was really hard for me, was that I became the center of everyone's depression, hmm. and everyone was super depressed and in your last days or what you're thinking may be your last days you don't want everybody to be sad you want everybody to be happy and you know celebrating life um and you know people would tell me it's not your fault you know it's not your fault that everybody's sad and they're only sad because they love you and i understood that but man it was a weight on my back yeah. to be the reason right. that everybody is so sad. That was really hard for me. And I never accepted it. I think even though I, I had to accept it and I had to prepare myself for it, I just felt like this is not true. This is not going to happen to me. And, you know, obviously, Lord, it's up to you. But... I don't feel like this is the truth. And one day when we were in the hospital, me and my wife, my wife, you know, was bursting into tears and this nurse came over to her and she said, honey, I don't want you to believe any of this that you see or hear around you. She said, the Lord is in control and the Lord is who you look to. And she said, I see miracles happen here every day. And there's nothing that says you're not going to be one of those miracles. So don't buy into the hype. And uh, that was kind of my mantra. I had, to, I had to just not buy into it. You know, everybody said your attitude throughout this next year or two is going to determine your latitude. If you start to feel defeated, you'll grow sick <clears throat> and defeated. If you stand tall like a Mayan king, you may muscle through it. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I had to do that. Even if I was going to die, I didn't want to go out sad and defeated. I was going to go out head up, joker smile on my face. Um, but it, it's something that uh, you never think that you're going to be tough enough for. But when you don't have a choice, you, you get tough real quick. Yeah. You get real tough real quick. And, you know... If you believe in God and you have God in your life, with God, obviously, anything is possible. Um, I did 11 rounds of chemotherapy. 11 rounds. Yeah, and chemotherapy, the first three rounds were really hard. Uh, they do it like once every month or month and a half because it's so hard on your body that you're just, you know trying to come out of it and then it's been a month yeah. and then they do it again but they can't do it very often but when i finally did my stem cell transplant they do three rounds within five days wow and so they put you in a a, a ward that is full of physical therapists because after this ordeal people can't walk yeah like they're messed up right, right? Let me tell you about the power of God. Every, when you're in 
a, a bad situation in the hospital, they send nurses in once per hour to ask, what's your pain level on a one to 10? Mm-hmm. Every, I swear, one day I want to ask the hospital for my records because every <clears throat> single one of those, I said zero. I had zero pain. Really? Three rounds of chemo and I didn't throw up once. I didn't have diarrhea once. I didn't have one headache. No lightheadedness, nothing? Nothing. So I said, this isn't possible. You know, this is the Lord protecting me 150%, not like 70 and you do the other 30. The Lord will protect you 100%. I had a nurse come to me and she said, I've been here many years and I've only seen three people like you. I said, like me, like... I'm nothing special. I'm yeah. just a normal guy. Yeah. You know, I like to consider myself healthy, but nobody can beat three rounds of chemo in five days and not even get a headache. Yeah, that's because I know that from what I've heard, you know, I had a lot of people, family members, friends, like in the last six years, I've had a couple of family members and friends pass from cancer. And each one of them told me that the, the chemo, man, it just, it, it like, it reduces you to almost nothing, like the way you feel. Uh, according to, you know, and then the nausea. You, yeah, is... you feel kind of like uh, the hollow man because, you know, you're just really weak. Mm-hmm. Um, and the nausea just, you just feel like you're extremely drunk. Yeah. So it sucks because you can't, I, 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 the little girl's mother, she asked me, she said, can you tell me what it feels like? Because... My daughter can't express what she's going through. Right. And I said, have you ever been so drunk in college that you're sitting at the end of the bed looking at the floor and you can't look up at the TV because it's too bright and it's just, you're too drunk? Yeah. I said, that's what it feels like. And she was so thankful. She said, you know, that's without your meds. If you have your meds, you're okay. Uh, in the beginning, I had a little bit of a mix-up with meds because I had the wrong kind and I got the better kind. And so I had to really feel what it felt like. And it sucks. You just throw up over and over again. Like, you know, you can't stop until you get the meds. Like, your head is so dizzy. One thing I, I wanted to mention is something you brought up in the in the book. Um, you you had to actually wait. Um, you had to wait because uh, you didn't have any time off from work. You had to oh, wait man. to go on, yeah. on on chemo. That's and you you mentioned like that's that's man, it's so fucked up. Yeah, because you have to depend on. This is the mentality that your job will have you in, and and my doctor thought I was crazy, and I thought he was crazy for thinking I was crazy because I thought, dude, you make tons of money. Yeah, and. Basically, I my anniversary date was coming up. It was in a week and a half. Which, that's when they replenish your... That's when they replenish all of your hours. You know, if you take time off when you don't have those hours... Unpaid. Or you could be fired. Or you could be fired. I thought. Yeah. Like, you yeah, know... three days. I, yeah. Right? Like, yeah. it's really strict. And so, I was terrified of that. And the doctor said, you need to do chemo immediately. And I said, well, it's going to have to wait a week and a half. Because... <laughs> <laughs> and and he he almost laughed at me like yeah. are you out of your mind like yeah. you have cancer we need to hit it with chemo immediately Man. and I looked at him and I said 
it's nothing a week and a half is going to do, Doc. Yeah. Like, if I'm going up to the pearly gates, a week and a half is not going to matter, right? Like, just let me get my time and, you know, do what I got to do. And he says, you know, Paul, I'm your doctor, and I want what's best for you, so I disagree with this. However, I can't force you to come in. Um, and by this time, this lump in my bicep was the size of a second bicep in my arm. I mean, I should have taken some pictures, but I didn't want to, right? Because yeah. I didn't even want yeah, to look at it like it was yeah. a scary thing. <clears throat> but it was literally the size of a second bicep. It was huge. And it had started. That was started, a tumor. That was a tumor. This was a tumor. Yeah. And uh, my hand, the back of my hand had started to puff up like a pillow because it was cutting off nerves oh, in shit. my elbow. To this day, I have a little bit of nerve damage on the bottom side of my arm here. Yeah. But it's like the only scar I have from going into the dragon's mouth. Wow. Yeah. So. Uh, so you did wait the week and a half. I had to. You had or, to. or at least I thought I had to, right? So your your theory was right. What's a couple of weeks going to be? <laughs> that's, I mean, but that sucks that, I mean, you know, that I, I hear that and it just, it sucks that with the work, with the job, the whole, you know, the whole, uh, the, the, system, the system seems the pressure. broken, man. It's like if, if, rather than go fix your life, yeah. you're going to put your job first. Yeah. Because you have to. You have to. Or dad's going to be mad. I have to make Maybe sure I have a job fired, when I come back. Right? Like, yeah. I, I might be dying of cancer, but I still have to pay my rent. Right? Like the <laughs> landlord won't care. That's, that's like, cold, you man. know, you're on chemo. We'll go drive to the ATM because it's rent time, you know. <laughs> People don't care, man. So after, okay, so now you 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 did uh, you said seven sessions. How many sessions? Eleven did? rounds. Eleven of chemo. rounds of chemo. Yeah. When was your last one done? So, the stem cell transplant was the three rounds within five days. Three rounds. Okay. So that third round was my last round. Um. You know, I wasn't sure what a stem cell transplant entailed. What is it, to be honest? So, I don't know what it is. So they either. call it a, a BMT, a bone marrow transplant, which oh, sounds okay, even okay. worse. So yeah. I was like, what are you guys going to do? Scoop out my bone marrow and put it, put some back? Like, you're going to cut open my bones? Like, how's, <laughs> how do a, we do a, a bone spine, marrow right? transplant? No, your bone marrow is in all your bones. Yeah. yeah it's, in, it's in every last bone oh. you have. Yeah. So the reason that they want to do a bone marrow transplant is because billions of more cells are created in your bone marrow mm. than anywhere else in your body. Okay. So it's sort of like the, <coughs> the origin of your right. DNA is in your bone marrow. Yeah. And the first big win that I got was when we did the bone marrow biopsy to see if I had cancer in my bone marrow. If there's cancer in your bone marrow, chances are that's, that's, that's it. Definite. But luckily I didn't have cancer in my bone marrow. And so I was able to be my own donor, oh, okay, okay. which is kind of cool too, because basically what they're going to do is hit you with so much chemo that it's going to kill all the cells in your body. And I'm talking about, they had a cell counter and they counted when my cells hit zero and then they gave me my healthy cells back. Oh shoot. And I was terrified of this process. I was like, how am I going to be alive with no cells? 
like, like white cells, right? Or just cell? Or, or just, cells. just cells. They oh, they shit. tell you that you're you know. That's scary. <laughs> well, well, chemo's scary because it doesn't target cancer cells. Yeah, it just, kills all cells. Yeah, it's like throwing a, nu- a nuke at you and your friends who are fighting some other. Right. Yeah, yeah. So it's like we just wanted the Japanese insurgents, <laughs> but we decided to take out everyone else in the process. Yeah. yeah. Boom. Yeah. Oh, that's wow. So my cell counts were going to come down to zero, and I thought, am I going to be conscious? Like, yeah. How do you feel when you have no cells? I felt normal. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, it was, I, I thought, how can I have no cells right now? Right. Right. Because right. in biology, they teach you that everything in your body is made up of cells. cells so yeah. to have absolutely none, it's like, how is that? Do they mean like newer cells, floating cells? Because I mean, your, your everything is made up of Yeah, that's, 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 like, so, that's okay, crazy. so then, <laughs> yeah, man, uh, I'm, I'm just, I feel like I want to go get checked. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know what's interesting is the way I, I, because I, we, I mean, after I left Comcast, I remember, yeah, you know, I reached out to you, uh, I don't know, maybe like six years ago or something. I had already left Comcast. I, yeah. And then um, we we kind of didn't really talk. We talked here and there, and then um, I posted a picture on on my either Insta, I think it was Instagram. Of uh, it was a throwback of when I went into the I went into the ER because of a high blood pressure episode, and in that episode, <laughs> what happened is my coworkers wrote Thug Life on my stomach. So when and we were messing around in the office, so when I actually had that little episode, which it, all it was actually was anxiety from not sleeping. Mm-hmm. But you know, with anxiety, your blood pressure gets a little high, and I thought I was having a heart attack. They came, they got me, they put me on the stretcher, they took off my shirt. <laughs> when they took off my shirt, it had thug on my stomach. <laughs> and they were just looking at me like, ah, oh, okay. <laughs> and uh, when I got to the hospital, I had the little hospital gown. And uh, my coworkers, I lift up your shirt because he came with me and lift up my shirt. And I was thrown on the west side. And it was thug life like Tupac, you know. And I posted that throwback. And then he commented that... Um, that they made him laugh. I remember I still have the post. They made him laugh. And I, this was at the time when he was going through the lymphoma. And then I kind of, I was like, damn, man. Like, I, I, uh, I, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. For but, sure. Yeah. For sure. Cause I, it was kind of like, um, like I was being goofy. And then he said, oh man, it made me laugh. Like, cool. But then he's like, yeah, I got lymphoma. Like, oh. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah, so so right. you, you've you lived it. And like you, you mentioned earlier, you, 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 you think your days are counted. You don't want everybody depressed. What, what's something that, that how, how do you, how should I behave to somebody who, who while they're, they're going through their yeah, thing? What, what's. How do you want to be treated while you were, yeah. while you were going through that? Because I. Like I told you, I had a family member who was going through it, and it's weird. Yeah. Like, you know, like, get better. Like, that doesn't really... <laughs> no, that, it does. You don't know what it to does. do. It does. It helps. Uh, because, you know, this world is is a cold place. Yeah. Um, and you don't get love and attention from your friends and family until you get sick and you might be dying. It's almost like... And, and you know, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe, you know, if nobody's giving you big hugs, it's because life is good, right? Uh, but... You know, when when things when the chips are down and and you need just those those little things, man, they really they do help. Yeah. So you know, just my friends saying, stay strong. If anybody can beat it, I know you can. Just you know, pump up their spirit because they're fighting a mental fight. Obviously, a physical fight too. But you know, 
every day, like I said, there's those moments when now you're alone, nobody's around, and those are the scary moments because all your thoughts just start to cave in on you and they can crush you if you're not strong enough. Especially when you're, you're feeling different. Yeah, you know, you're feeling different. You're not able to do the things you were doing. I'm sure that takes a big toll on. And how you know you feel that everybody alone. is looking at you, yeah. like the sick guy. Yeah, and that sucks. Yeah. Like it's just, you know, I don't want to say it's embarrassing. It's not really embarrassing, but uh, like in the movie Fifty Fifty, you seen Fifty Fifty, right? No, with um, uh, Jonah his, Hill was it? No, 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 no. no. It was uh, Seth Rogen and uh, Joseph Gordon. Uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt. Yeah, There's a scene yeah. where. It's just, he's having like a party before he leaves for work because he has cancer. There's mm-hmm. a scene where he's about to go, you know, on medical leave. And uh, one of his coworkers comes up to him and says, I'm going to miss you. And it's just like, it's supposed to be funny. But that's like, you know, when you have cancer, how people start treating you differently. And um, yeah. I, I just thought about that because, you know, uh, I I did this to a, a old coworker of mine. And I really, to this day, I kind of regret it. Um, he had colon cancer and when he found out it was, I guess, too late, you know, or it was really in, it was, it was, it was in deep and, um, uh, it was older guy. He was in his fifties and, uh, he called me cause he had been off of work and he told me what was going on with him, why he wasn't at work. Another yeah. Comcast guy from a different department, but, yeah. um, and on the phone he told me like, you know, I was like, well, you know, like I said, I don't know what to say. He was like, man, I hope, I hope you pull through. And then he stops. No, 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 hey, Jose, Jose, hey. He's like, um, I'm going to die. Like, I probably have a few months left, maybe less than that. Like, it's not a get yeah. better thing. Like, yeah. I've, I've, I've already. And then while he's telling me this, I started crying on the phone with him. Like, oh, man. Like, yeah. he's like, hey, no, don't cry, man. It's okay. And I felt bad for doing that on no, the phone no, with him. No, no, you didn't know. I mean, you know, you're good people. He, you know. It's it's a tough thing, man. Like, you know, all my friends were like, "Man, I'm gonna come through so we can smoke." Yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> which is one thing I'm I like. Did okay, with you. yeah. Like, you know, let's let's <laughs> let's be normal. Yeah. Like, yeah. you don't want to sit there and be like, "So, got cancer." Like, you know, you want to get your mind off of it uh, as much as you can, and just. You know, stay tough and uh, believe in God because when I found out that I could do, that I was a candidate for a stem cell transplant, I was scared. Yeah. I was almost like, no, I'll just die. Like, yeah. <laughs> what is that? Like, you know, yeah. hold on. Is this going to hurt? Like, you know. Um, Did those th- thoughts come to your head like, you know what, I'll do this without any medication. Like, I'll just go look for alternative medicines. I remember I... Re- yeah, yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah. Of course. Because, you know, so so I knew a, a, a pastor from Marin that was a customer uh, of mine. Really nice guy. And I called him Mr. Movie Phone because he sounded exactly like the Mr. Movie Phone <laughs> yeah. guy. And he was in one ear, always calling me. Not about Comcast, calling me about myself. Oh, wow. Like, how are you doing, Paul? You know, uh, I know you're going through this, and I just want to tell you to listen to God and to depend on God to help you and stuff. And I was always like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm doing that. I'm talking with God, of course, you know. And he would say, you know, this stem cell transplant may not be right for you. So 
talk to God because you might want to skip that. Like, don't just do everything the hospital tells you to do, right? right? <laughs> Which I know sounds backwards, but you're kind of thinking the same. Like, mm-hmm. is this doctor, like, just signing me up for this so he can get a vacation next year off of commission bonuses or so? Like, you just don't know yeah, man. what their motives could be or anything, right? Especially when, like, yeah, you think about, like, you know, how many people die of neglect from hospitals. And, like, it, it's a scary thing to... Aside from having yeah. something going on with your body, like who's, yeah, when a hospital decides you should do this, <laughs> yeah. you kind of go, hmm, can I get a second opinion? Like, what makes you so smart and yeah. know, right? So that was definitely part of it. And this guy, you know, was talking to me in my ear, saying, "You might not want to do this stem cell transplant thing." And uh, I was just, I was, I was so scared, and I, I eventually had a had an epiphany moment uh that that bursted all my fear because i was this whole time I was terrified ever since i got the diagnosis and the stem cell transplant like i'm going through all the plans i'm doing chemo i'm terrified every day the whole time i, I felt like i was pale as a ghost everywhere i went because i was just scared that i was going to lose my son and my wife and and my whole world and I didn't take the time to realize that God had just offered me a door out of cancer. The stem cell transplant thing was my key. Why am I fighting it? And my dad, he hates hospitals. Uh, I know a lot of people's family members feel like when it's time to go to the hospital, you better catch me because yeah. I'm not going in, yeah. you know, yeah. I'm going to put up a fight. Right. <laughs> and I'm kind of the same way. I was like, man, the stem cell transplant date is coming up and I got to come to you guys and walk in, like yeah. turn myself in. Psh, forget that. It's right. Take, it's taking it like taking a dog to bath. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> so, but then I found out that only 300 people per year in California are eligible for stem cell transplant. Wow. Why is that? Because I guess, A, you have to have your own, well, the stem cells have to sort of match, I guess. So luckily I was my own donor, so my stem cells matched. Mm-hmm. But That's if, the marrow you're talking about. Right. Yeah. But if you, if, I mean, it kind of goes against what I was saying earlier, mm-hmm. but I guess if you have cancer in your bone marrow or in your stem cells, you can get a transplant and have somebody else be your donor. Oh, okay, okay. Um, so their cells are going to be introduced to your body, yes. Right. Does that affect your body at all? Like, So the first couple nights that I stayed in the ward, there was an Indian guy next to me that I felt so bad for because he was literally throwing up and having diarrhea every five minutes. The nurses would have to come back in, clean him up. As soon as they would be gone for seven minutes, he would go again. And I felt terrible for this guy. Um, He was really going through it. And I said, man, I just want to tell you to stay strong. You know, I'm about to be going through what you're going through. If there's anything I can do for you, I'm right here. Um, You know, and I hope that I'll be treated the same way when when I go through this. But I hear that it's harder for people that don't that that are not their own donor. 
So when you do try to introduce somebody else's cells, I guess there can be a bit of difficulty there. The body rejects it. It's well, like, you can actually die in this process too. Yeah. There's a 5% chance that you'll die. It's like when you get kind of like a, a organ transplant to someone's yeah. body, they can die. If it They said if your body, if the cells don't take, mm -hmm. then wow. that's it. And I was like, all right, if the cells don't take, like, Jeez. <laughs> hope my cells take, right? <laughs> like, it's not like O'Reilly's where you can go get a different part. Oh, right? It work, yeah. So, that's, Wow. 300 people. How many million people are in California? That's scary to think about, yeah. too. Oh, my gosh. I, all the of a sudden, odds, I right? felt like I had the golden Willy Wonka ticket. Yeah. And instead of running from the hospital, I was ready to run in the hospital and be like, I'm here. Because I felt like, wow, what an opportunity I'm getting. Why am I so scared? Right? Mm. So one day when everybody left for work and school, I was sitting on the couch and I was just having one of those panic attacks where I was just alone again, thinking, man, you know, I'm tired of being strong. I'm scared, you know, and this voice came in my head and it was like it was yelling at me and it said, it's not time to be scared. It's time to be strong. And before I could whine any further, it repeated it eight times just again and again. It's not time to be scared. It's time to be strong. It's not time to be scared. It's time to be strong. And I don't know where that voice came from because I was scared. But something said, buck up, be strong. And, and after that day, I was never scared again. I don't know if that was the ultimate me meeting my fear face to face, like... But I felt I felt like it was the Lord pushing me along. I was just gonna ask you that, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I mean, these—I don't want to say I was hearing voices, but yeah, yeah. but these voices came out of nowhere. <clears throat> when I was down, there was nothing gonna pick me up and make me strong. But these voices came in, and I'll never forget—they repeated, almost to purposely interrupt me. The fear. Yeah, interrupt fear. Yeah. And so. That that was a really pivotal moment for me, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, after I got my sign, I felt really confident about everything, but I was still scared the whole time. Like I was confident God had given me a sign, but man, I was I was scared. When <clears throat> okay. so this started in uh, November, and at this point where you where you're talking about now, when was this? Did November 2018? It, yeah, it was pretty much a year, a, a year. year to the day. Um, crazy that's crazy because you now you're where you are now it's a whole different thing you're not your profession so, is different so you're... the reason i wrote this book is yeah. because so many crazy things happened in a row that i needed to write the book right. i didn't want to write the book because yeah. hey everybody here's a story about cancer you know hey i just got cancer this means maybe i can get rich now off mm -hmm. of this off of a book deal or something you know no i had these thoughts in my head these memories that I started to write on paper because there was too many piling up. There was the sign that I got. Then there was the little girl. Um, I mean, it was like, I, I found out from Joel Osteen. I listened to him once in a while. I really like him. He, uh, he doesn't always get too deep into 
philosophical stuff. He just talks about stories in his life and people that yeah. he knows and things that happen to them. And he told me one day that it's not a sin or bad to pray for money. I always thought that money was the root of all evil and that if you're asking the Lord for money, you're just being greedy and it's not okay to do yeah, that. Right. No. Joel Osteen says that's a crock. He says... The Lord needs his good men to have means to continue the good fight. And if you need and want money in your life, ask the Lord to help you with that money. Yeah. So in the hospital, I prayed. I said, Lord, I know I don't want to be greedy. I know you're basically just giving me my life back, <laughs> but I need money. I want to be rich. I, 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 you know, especially since you might lose the job. With the whole changes, yeah, that, that you know, could be a scary just, thing. just scared, scared yeah, of. Uh, yeah. They were telling me to get on Social Security and do this and that, and I was going, okay, well, I'm still going to be at my job, and they're going, no, once you're on Social Security, technically you're unemployed, yeah. and I was like, wait a minute, what are you talking about? Like, you know, getting really scared about all of that, yeah. you know. Um, so they told me I couldn't have any kids because I was going to start chemo. Me and my wife, we had planned on having a second kid. Nope, now you can't have kids. So that was scary. And they said, you're going to have to go to the sperm bank. And I was like, okay, well, that's cool. At least I can still have a kid some kind of way. Two weeks later, my wife was pregnant. Really? I have a son. No way. We had prayed for a daughter. It's a daughter. Wow. I didn't know you had another Praise kid. Yeah. God. That's... Whoa. I hadn't Man. seen my wife smile. Sorry to interrupt. This is before the the uh, the can the chemo or after that you guys got pregnant. So before I was going to start chemo, okay. the doctor sits me down and he says, you know, there's going to be some side effects. You're going to yeah. lose your hair, you're going to get skinny, yeah. and uh, you're not going to be able to have kids because wow. I guess the chemo, like, I don't know, you know, pollutes it, your it, yeah. Fertile. reproductive organs and i was like <laughs> like a jerk i like looked up at god i'm like really you're gonna take this from me too like all at once like what's going on here yeah. you know um and so yeah my wife hadn't smiled in two and a half or three months and that was really hard for me yeah. because i was the source yeah of her deep sadness and depression, yeah. you know, mm. even if that I hurts you cause you, that hurts me yeah. so bad. Yeah. Like I, I didn't want her to hurt. I didn't want my son to hurt. I was trying to figure out how to talk to my son about having cancer. And I had to actually read up on it because I didn't know how to approach it. I didn't want to scare the crap out of him and be like, daddy might die. Cause yeah, you know, six years old. Yeah. 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 You know, I'll never forget one day he asked me how long people live. I said, I don't know, about 100. He said, how old are you? I said, 41. <laughs> he started crying. He's like, you're almost dead. I was like, no. Your no, kid's dude. smart. He can do the math. <laughs> right. He's like, my father's halfway there. Yeah, so I didn't want to tell him this <laughs> yeah. cancer thing. And they say, use the word cancer. Make sure you really? put it out there that it's cancer. You know, so Even that, though they don't know what it is. So that one day they'll, one day they'll, they'll understand, right? So I prayed to the Lord to make me rich. And 
all of a sudden, when I started coming out of the hospital, I was, I, I had always, well, for about two years, I had been sort of a wannabe stock trader, mm-hmm. kind of looking at stocks and trying to figure out how people make money with stocks and sort of telling myself I was going to commit to this uh, while working a 10-hour day and coming home to my family and not having any time and just not really being able to get into it, right? Well, somehow when I came out of the hospital, I was picking up how and what and when to trade companies and I started making money and I started saying to myself, you know, hey, I'm going to Comcast to work 10 hours for 200 bucks, basically. It took me, yeah. you know, seven years to get up to 29 bucks an hour. And if I can just make 200 bucks a day in stocks, I can quit. Yeah. Shit. I started making 350, 750, 1250. Trading stocks. Yeah. Wow. And, I, and by 8.15 in the morning. Wow. So I was like, I quit. How did you get into that uh, more? Like, how did, you know, because it's, it's uh, a lot of people don't even know what stocks are. Right. So I started a business now called Beginner Stock Trader, where I just teach people the basics. Like, nobody knows how to trade stocks. No. And I feel like this is something very important that everybody should know. Obviously, there's going to be a little bit of risk, like with anything else. Right. Did you start with Comcast? Like, did you do um, the, the stock trading with them? Sort of, okay. yeah. I mean, you know, Comcast got me pretty curious because with Fidelity, yeah. they had, you know, I had company stock. and But every time I would go into my Fidelity app, it was so confusing. There were so many numbers and so many percentages and just, it was crazy. I didn't understand it. But... I had asked the Lord to make me rich. Yeah. And somehow, some way, as the days were going on, I was picking up on things. Just like commission fees and just just things would stick in my head and I started seeing things differently. To where I I also had a friend, he showed me an app to download, the Charles Schwab app. You know, you gotta mm-hmm. get a brokerage account. Once you get all that, like he kind of set me up and I started building a watch list and studying the companies and just started getting into it more. And it paid off for me to where I could quit my job. And it was just another thing where I was like, this is God. Like anybody in my life can tell you that somebody came along and turned the volume dial up on my money because because it that it did it did wow i don't work right now i trade stocks i don't have a job all day are, all day are you familiar with um uh, there's a couple of apps i've stumbled across robin hood and stash yeah stash uh, I don't like Stash anymore because I found out they're charging me $9 a month in fees, which they don't tell you that when you sign up for it. Mm. Uh, so I kind of ditched Stash. And, and what, what I've learned is that uh, with stocks, when you have a portfolio of a number of different stocks, um, they sort of call it an index fund. Mm. It's like you, you, know, you have multiple companies pushing you up, uh, pushing your money up, you know. And 
Stash basically picks an index fund of companies for you. Mm-hmm. So they do all the picking for, for you. There, right. There's three categories, there, right? They've got like those of you who are uh, uh, interested in uh, uh, being conscious about the environment and stuff like that. Right. Like the do-gooder Different version. sectors like tech. And the risk section and then the conservative section. Yeah. And they compile companies and organizations in those three different files based on which box they check off. Yeah. So, right. yeah, yeah, that's right. That uh, Them and Acorns kind of Acorns. do the same thing. I like Acorns better. Uh, not only did the index fund they picked for me perform better than my stash one did, but it was just a little easier to understand. And from what I could tell, Acorns didn't have a bunch of fees that they were sneaking out of my pocket, you know. Right. Um, so I appreciated that. But I don't like... Uh, Robin Hood because it doesn't tell you very much information like it just I don't know how to describe it but I use Charles Schwab because I like the Charles Schwab app Mm -hmm. the app is easy to understand and if you want to do homework on a company or you want to see just more stats it's all right there whereas in Robin Hood it's kind of like a stripped down version it just gives you the chart and just gives you the price and then the trade button. Like, there's not a ton of, of stuff. But I'm not speaking as an expert because I don't use uh, I don't use it very much. I only ask because I have a couple of stocks in Robinhood. Just, uh, just a couple companies, no, no, nothing big, like eight bucks in one and seven bucks in another as a starter. So I uh, what was I going to say, my little brother, he, he's really smart. He says, uh, you should use Charles Schwab to do your homework but then trade in Robinhood because there's zero commission fees. Mm-hmm. But now everybody's got zero commission fees. So thanks to Robinhood, they were another company that pressured all these big companies to drop their commission fees. One of the, the benefits of competition in an economy, you know, you get one model that everyone really loves. You come up with some sort of advantage and say, no, no, this is how we're doing this. And people flock to that. And everyone else is like, all right, I guess we'll get in on this, huh? If Coke is making more money putting real sugar in their cans, then Pepsi's going to follow suit. Yeah. Yeah. And that was huge for me because I've been watching Mad Money with Kramer. I don't know if you guys have seen that guy. Jim Kramer, he's on CNBC. Oh, yeah. yeah always him. looks like a crazy guy. Yeah, he's, he's always screaming. really animated. Yeah. And I thought he was a crazy guy. Now I think he's a genius. He yeah. knows a lot of stuff. He's not always right. People beat him up because they're like, you got this one wrong. But it's like... Yeah, wasn't he in the first Iron Man movie? I like think so, when, when yeah. Tony Stark yeah, he's, uh, announces that he's no Tony longer Stark. going right, to make yeah. weapons, and he's right. like, "Stark Industries is a weapons manufacturer that isn't going to make weapons anymore." <laughs> Let's see how their stock is performing today, and then he like smashes a cup. Yeah, and, great, great stuff. <laughs> no, I was going to ask you. So now, I mean, as of as of when did you hear you were cancer free? So basically. <clears throat> A stem cell, so so the way they check you for cancer is they inject you with radioactive sugars. Wow. I know, it sounds, <laughs> sounds pretty scary. Yeah, everything, yeah, everything at the hospital Talk about bittersweet. really scary, <laughs> Yeah, but it's not always as bad as you think. Radioactive so, sugars. That basically magnetize to the cancer, oh, okay. and then they can scan you with yeah. a PET scan and tell if there's a red blotch over here that means all the radioactive sugars went to 
the tumor. Like in the beginning when they did one of my first PET scans, this area was red because all the sugars went there, you know. Yeah. Tumors feed off of sugar. So the very first thing I did, looking at my double bicep arm and finding out I had cancer, was cut out all sugar. Wow. Mm. And I mean hardcore, zero, zero sugar. Because sure. I was like, Not this you- thing is like an octopus in my arm, wrapped around <clears throat> my tendons and my bones, and it's feeding off of me like it's host. Right. I'm going to kill this thing. Yeah. I'm going to starve it. And I cut down the sugar immediately. Um, zero sugar at all. That's hard. That's hard. Now I'm back sir. to a little bit of sugar, but... If you ever find out there's a tumor feeding on sugar in your body, you'll do it too. Oh, it's yeah. easy once you yeah. right once you think this alien is in your body, yeah. like taking taking up a spot and not paying rent. You know, man. So no, no relapses, no, no. Uh... So my doctor, the doctors aren't always upbeat and positive, and I kind of appreciate that. But at the same time, I wish they were a little more, you know, enthusiastic about things. But bedside manner could my, be some improvement. My rare T-cell lymphoma is the kind that always comes back, he says. Mm. So I was like, okay, great, you know, got to be prepared for that. However, when you take all your cells and kill them and then reintroduce only healthy cells that are no longer dividing it's sort of like a complete reboot of your body it's like flush out all the cancer and then put back in the good cells oh yeah so it's i like don't a, see, it's like a reboot i don't see a possible way that yeah. i could get cancer or Again. have cancer come back yeah right right but i don't want to say never yeah, <laughs> yeah, not for sure. Work. But yeah, so my PET scans is what told me I right. was cancer free, because as they progressed, I would take one every, you know, six months or so, and there'd be zero red splotches. You know, I knew I was in the clear. Another thing I was going to ask you because you mentioned it earlier, um, what happened to the little girl? You know, Did you I, follow up? With no, her? I haven't followed up with her. Um, as far as I could tell, though. She was through the worst. They had removed the tumor from the base of her brain. Oh, yeah. She was just going through chemo, chemo and that the... was really hard for her. She had lost her hair and her mom didn't know what she was feeling. Mm. And as a parent, now I realize what an important favor I did for her just by yeah. explaining her to oh, her, yeah. you know. Yeah. So it was interesting. I asked God to bring me some people or a person and he brought me this little girl and her mother. I didn't I didn't expect to help her mother as much as I did. Right. But she said, you know, you have no she was in tears. She said, You have no idea what you just did for me. Just by explaining the college too drunk at the end of the bed thing, she says, Now I know what my daughter's been going through when right. she doesn't have her meds. But the meds they have are really good. When I had my meds, I wasn't nauseous at all. I wouldn't throw up one time. I was just weak, yeah. weak and tired. Right. Kind of feel like you got the flu. No sugar uh, affects you a lot too. I'm sure because you, man. I mean, I, I know I'm, I'm saying that like jokingly, but I, it's I, that, tough you, to change you know, your diet, yeah, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes, it is really. And tough. that adds to you know the stresses you're already having with. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because when we're we were talking about this in another episode, we did when you're stressed or when you're 
going through hard times, what do you what do you turn to? Junk food and and right comfort food. Comfort food, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of sugar, a lot of carbs. Well, one thing when you start to accept that there's something in your body that could kill you, yeah, everything that you put in your body comes into focus, mm-hmm. and it's amplified. Like that's why I, I I try to bitch at my friends as little as possible because I don't want to be that guy. But when I see them smoking cigarettes, putting cancer in their mouth, I'm just like, dude, where have you been? Didn't you just see what I just went through? Yeah. Do you want to be where I was? Like, don't think that just because I somehow fell out of the mouth of the dragon that you're going to escape. Right. Don't put cancer in your mouth. Like yeah. it just seems like such a big obvious to me, but it didn't phase some of my friends, even my brothers smoke cigarettes and it kills me. Nicotine any addiction is a mother. My yeah. my grandmother um smoked c- uh, cigarettes for years and I remember uh, when I was about maybe nine or so rushing home and saying, Grandma, Grandma, this stuff causes cancer and crying about it because, you know, I was old yeah. enough to understand what it was. And then she eventually quit. Ironically, though, uh, she was diagnosed with cancer by, I think I was 11. But it wasn't, it wasn't like uh, 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 cancer caused by cigarettes. Like it wasn't lung cancer. Right. It was It was like some cancer in her leg and get this. The doctors explained to her that there was it was this weird form of cancer that's present in sea lions. Humans don't normally get it. I don't remember what it was wow. called. And and so they cut off a part of her leg that was suffering from it. It had gotten engorged and enlarged and everything. And we thought she was out of the woods. She had gone back for some tests maybe six months later. And or a few months later, they called her and they said, look, it's spread to your lungs. And it, you know, they gave her, I think maybe just a few weeks. She lasted about six months and December 21st, 19, was it 1999? No. Yeah. No, it's 1999. December 21st, 1999. She left the world. She left the world. It was hard. Yeah. It was really, really hard. She chose not to do chemo because, you know, she was in her fifties and it was just sort of like, well, maybe it's time. Um, fifties. Yeah. Yeah. I was, she would have been, I'm not sure how old she would have been by now, but yeah, she was in her fifties. Chemo is a scary thing. You know, when I heard that I was going to have to do chemo, uh, I wanted a second opinion. Mm -hmm. And just all of my friends and friends of friends that I spoke with, all of their stories were like, yeah, man, my uncle had cancer, but it's the chemo that killed him, not the cancer. And it's like the chemo is the bad guy. And, you know, you don't want that shit. It's going to really screw you up. And my experience was very different. My second bicep, within a week, began to shrink when I started doing chemo. Wow. Noticeably. So I knew that this thing was dying and that I was killing it with the, the beautiful chemo. Prior to that, prior to the cancer, you you were healthy though, right? Like, I mean, for the most part, yeah. you were a healthy guy. Oh, yeah. That had, I'm sure, also had a lot of a lot to do with. Did it or did that help? You know, because yeah, I mean, you know, 
when you when you start doing chemo, I mean, it, it beats you down, makes you really tired, yeah. and you know, if you're really out of shape and really tired to begin with, you're going to mm-hmm. be twice as tired, and yeah. it's going to be it's going to be hard. But I mean, it's not like you know. I was all in shape, and then even with chemo, I was all in shape. No, I was beat down. Yeah. You know. Um, another another story that you mentioned in the book that I thought was interesting. It started. It made me start to think of uh, memories in my childhood. Was when you share that story about when you were a kid. Um, you want to talk about that? That was an interesting story that he. Yeah, mentioned. you know. Uh, it's like your first kind of miracle that you experienced. Yeah, when you're a kid, you have these memories that, that you forget as you get older. And some of those memories are epic memories. Like, mm-hmm. you know, what I talked about was this time, you know, my dad used to play block parties. You know, he's a lead guitarist and he used to jam all the time in these cul-de-sacs and just all around the bay. And me and my <clears throat> uncle, we were break dancing and we'd you know go to neighborhoods and have break dancing contests on the vinyl you know yeah um and my dad he took me one day and and he had an old i think it was a 67 impala station wagon and uh he had parked it in the driveway on the concrete and he was jamming in the garage and i had sat on the roof indian style and these kids all these neighborhood kids came up and I remember thinking they were rude because even though I'm sitting on the roof of my dad's car, I didn't say all of you jerks could pile yeah. up and sit up here too, right? And they all pile up, and this one kid, he sits right next to me, and he just elbows me off the roof. And since I'm sitting Indian style, I basically mm. just turn sideways, and now I'm upside down, heading head first towards the concrete. Oh. And, and you're how old again? Sorry. Oh man, I was young. I was probably, I mean, I want to say five or six. Wow. Because also the height of a car door, I couldn't have been. Yeah. So so what happened was as I fell in midair, everything is going in slow motion. I put my arms up to break the fall and I feel a jerk. I'm suspended in the air. Because my shoelace had wrapped around the unlocked door lock. (laughs) And it wrapped three times enough to suspend me. That's rare. Yeah, three times. Yeah, that's. It's not possible. Yeah. God again. It's not possible. God again. (laughs) Yeah. So when I reached up to undo it, is when it came undone and I fell and I buckled my arm. Which means your bone kind of yeah. overlaps the other bone, right? Mm-hmm. So I still screamed and had to go to the hospital and everything. But that could have been your head. But when I thought back, yeah. I thought something saved my life. Yeah. Like this, an Apollo station wagon is not too tall, but it's tall enough that oh, yeah. if you fall on your head on the concrete. As a six-year-old kid too, yeah. Right. Yeah, with the weight you have, yeah, oh, yeah. So just writing the book, I just started thinking, you know, maybe, I, maybe I've always... Since I've believed in God, I've always maybe had him looking out for me mm-hmm. uh, because I can't explain that. You know, there's things that are just not explained. Since you did the book and um, obviously you're a good storyteller. Well, is thank there, you. Yeah, no, yeah. Is there, is there any other plans to write any other books or 
I know we talked about doing some comedy comedy writing. You, you mentioned for sure. That. I mean, you guys are inspiring me. Um, <laughs> I just uh, well, so I I thought maybe I could try to write a an inspirational book uh, to help motivate people. Uh, I used to get anxiety attacks mm-hmm. uh, like you were talking about, and I used to get them pretty bad when I would drive. You know. Oh, yeah. uh, for some reason, I would just start thinking about what if I crash everybody in the car? Like everybody, I'm responsible right now. With like, your family, specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's scary. And maybe I smoked a little bit of weed or something and I'd be a little paranoid. Yeah. And I mean, my leg could start shaking on the brake. Yeah. This is how bad these anxiety attacks would get. Wow. And I started to just yell at myself and tell myself to shut up. Like cut it out. What are you doing? And that started to make them go away. And it really worked for me. And so I think the title of my book is going to be tell yourself to shut up because you can do so much when you don't listen to your own self. Sometimes your own self will stop you. Yeah. You know, oh, I'm going to go to the gym. Nah just have some pizza <laughs> come on man just watch friends kick back <laughs> life is short you know yeah yeah no friends so, is in the background right now <laughs> tell yourself to shut up yeah yeah you know so yeah. i thought about writing that but then it's interesting how you asked me this because now i'm about to reveal my secret <laughs> Do tell. i was on facebook and i was like man everybody are such Halloween whores these days yeah. like everybody just loves Halloween yeah. more than Christmas and I was like, I'm going to give him a scary story. Oh, okay, okay. So I'm secretly trying to wrap up my scary Halloween story that I'm hoping to publish just before Halloween. I have an artist that I'm getting to do some work, um, four or five images that I'm going to put in the book. I've let him read it only. It's already done. Well, uh, <laughs> the rough draft. The rough draft yeah. is 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 pretty done. It's pretty done. I'm I'm sure I'm glad I go back over and read stuff though, man. Because yeah. when I brainstorm, I do some dumb stuff, man. Like I'll describe something and I'll make it all scary, and then like two pages later, I forgot that I already did that, and I'll do it again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'll be like, I already wrote that. Like, <laughs> gotta proofread your stuff. Right, right. Is it a short story or like a novella? How, what's the length? What are we looking at page wise here? Uh, it's a short story. It's a short story. Um, how how long how, was your? Sorry, we we gonna say no. Something? I don't want to give away too much. But. Yeah, no, especially well, since, oh, yeah. And, are, oh, go ahead. What what's your um, what what's your publishing outlook looking like? Like, are you are you gonna release it in paper? Is it gonna be digital? You know, um, Amazon? Probably, yeah, it'll probably be through Amazon. Probably uh, twenty bucks hardback. Maybe ten for the paperback again, like I did my other one. Um, I don't know. I just hope it scares people and they yeah. dig it. You know, for the scary yeah. Halloween vibe. I don't know. Uh, writing has inspired me because a lot of people were really interested yeah. in my book when I wrote it, and I didn't think that people would even be that interested. Like I said, I just needed to blurt it out and get it. And, and and I I had hoped to inspire people with cancer that it's not over right. necessarily yeah. for you. Uh, 
to be strong and, you know, talk to God. If you don't believe in God or you don't have a relationship with God, I know everybody in my life just saw what happened to me. Yeah. And I don't, there can't be anybody who still doesn't have a relationship with God in my life. I'm hoping. Uh, But, you know, I encourage other people because, you know, what happened to me is not possible. Yeah. I'm standing here, sitting here before you guys today and, you know, could have not been with a daughter. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's, you know, I, we talked, we've talked privately on Facebook and, and, and I, I remember I mentioned I had a family member who was going through chemo and had cancer and um, she's, she's very, you know, everyone she talks to, she does, she's really close to God. She gets involved with that a lot. And, and yeah. just recently she was hundred percent cancer free. That one I had told you about. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, they offer you a spiritual advisor when you're in the hospital. Really? And. I said, eh, why not? Yeah. Let me blow her mind. Yeah. Or his mind. Yeah. When they come in here, if they're really, you know, who they say they are, yeah. then um, they will know that what I have been through yeah. is no joke and mm. is a true testament. Yeah. And this lady, she started tearing up in the hospital and she said, I'm a little jealous of you. She said, I have followed the Lord and spoken to the Lord my whole life. And I wish that the Lord would come as close into my life and touch me as he did you. Like she was a little jealous, right? (laughs) And I was like, no, you know, you don't want him to have to intervene, you know. But uh, it was pretty cool because and it's she, just crazy thing. I'm jealous. Like, why can I have the? I you're you're so lucky. Yeah. It's just like, Lord, what? can I get the Job yeah. treatment this month? The Job special. Which which muscle was it again? No, no, this was kind of how she oh, looked wow. at me. But she yeah. was a big inspiration in writing the book because I was writing just notes yeah. so that I could chronologically tell people what had happened because they couldn't. Oh yeah, it. no plans on making a book. Not really. No, just. Had, had you had you um written before before that book uh not that much i mean when i was a kid me and my buddies would have sleepovers and i would be the storyteller so i always had a good imagination mm. but i never wrote a book or published anything uh i think one time i wrote this story it was going to be my you know i i did like writing and and this story was going to be my my great story it was going to be about a, a a kid who ended up having gigantism he was going to he was going to be a giant but he lived back in the you know medieval times and he sort of became an outcast and ended up you know being a hero to his friends when they were kids but then being a depressed you know rat eating freak who lived in his own house and like his story wasn't going to have a happy ending it was just going to be weird and cool and i wrote it every day i wrote and i wrote and i wrote and it was so many pages and i was getting really good stuff and then my hard drive crashed and i lost everything and in order to recover the story was going to cost me almost a thousand dollars and i was still not guaranteed that they could recover it and so i gave up on writing after that i was like forget it i poured my heart out for months and lost everything, you know, oh, dang man. computers, you know. Oh, 
Yeah. And so I really didn't write anymore after that. So uh, then, oh, go ahead. Thank I was gonna say just thank goodness for Google Docs, right? Yeah. I had that happen to me. Uh, 2012. I wrote a whole whole script, whole script. It was all there. It was kind of a mixture between um, action and slasher, mm-hmm. and I never backed it up. I never backed it up. And one day I was in school, and the computer just it wouldn't it wouldn't turn on. And I took it in. It's like, nope, it's done. It's done. That was the most important thing I lost in the hard drive. Right. Frustrating. Yeah. So this spiritual advisor, I don't really write. Uh, I have been recently because, you know, this interest from people is kind of making me feel like there's a need there. Uh, Because it sounds very like, from what I read, man, um, aside from me knowing you and, and doing that same job, you know, I felt like, oh man, like I was reading it and going through my head, like, yeah, this everything he's painting a picture of. I, I well, because I also experienced some of that. Not, not, not the cancer part, but the when you explain like the day to day job and the way you describe that story, it's like, sounds like this guy. Is this your first book? It doesn't seem like this is your first book, because you know, it, it just. That's why I, I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I just, yeah. I'm pretty comfortable with writing. I don't like to think that I'm good at it because I just kind of write what i think and like you know i just not a shy author (laughs) not really no no i like to try to get descriptive and you know i think anybody especially that grew up in the bay can relate to me because i'm one of you guys like you know been here my whole life and you're from from oakland right born and raised in oakland Oakland. yeah moved all around san leandro hayward um but never out of the bay Never out of the so which now you're more you're better financially set than before with the full-time gig and i know you you mentioned you know that they they said it could come back is is that why you're kind of like i don't want to say i don't don't know how to word this but uh basically did that thought of it coming back is what made you driving me to do everything like comedy and getting everything out like everything that you can no uh, because you know when i ask god is it coming back he says no okay um so i'm going by what he tells me okay um but when you do face death that closely yeah then you realize that you know you could do lots of cool things right and when your time does come, then you're not going to get to do any of those cool things anymore. Or you're not going to want to because you're going to be so depressed and maybe you'll be weak and tired or, or whatever, right? So once I started healing from chemo, and I mean, I had to wear a HEPA mask for three months What's that? in public. It's, oh, it's a, it's a crawl oh. suit mask. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. like in the crawl space that we used to wear at work. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, it looks like a gas mask. And I had to wear it for three and a half months everywhere in public. Wow. And let me tell you, it was a, a humbling experience. And little old ladies, they're the rudest out of everybody. <laughs> I mean, when you walk into a store, they'll watch you like you're going to steal because you have a mask on. <laughs> but the little old lady is the one who will look at you and go, <laughs> You know, like <laughs> nasty. Like, <What>? yeah. <laughs> I used to think, geez, you know, little old ladies are supposed to be nice, but yeah. they were the nastiest. Wow. 
they made me take my mask off in the bank one time because they thought, you know, possibly I'm going to rob the bank. So I said, okay, sure, here you go. He said, at least show your face to the camera and then you can put your mask back on. I was like, thanks, you know, <laughs> appreciate your respect and care. Right? <laughs> um, but no, once I started healing and was able to eat sushi and go eat at a restaurant, yeah. I felt alive again, like I'm back. It's time to do some stuff, right? I'm going to learn how to surf. I'm going to do some comedy. Yeah. I'm going to write a book, publish a book. I'm just going to do it all, you know? So now the other question I have for you is, how do you feel about death now, going through all that, once you're like so close to, you know, maybe? You know, it's weird. One day I was having a talk with God, and I said, God, you know, you're going to shield me through this, uh, you know, pain and sorrow and, and death and, and fear, like, are you going to, you know, hide me from all of this, you know? And he said, no. He said, you're going to walk through it, but I'm going to walk with you. So I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. Mm -hmm. And he walked with me. And it was scary. But I'm not scared of death. I'm scared of the sadness that death brings to my friends and family. Yeah. You mm -hmm. know? Uh, we all got to die, but, you know, I believe that there's something after this yeah. for us. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not really scared of death. Um, I have the same attitude. I mean, if, if they told me that cancer came back next week, I would still be like, no, nah. you know. This is this is between me and God, and you know I don't care what you guys say and your yeah. machines and all your medicine and all your stuff. But my pastor that was keeping in touch with me, telling me that the transplant might not be for me and and this and that, he wanted me to strictly go with God, mm -hmm. and I told him, Father, this is going to have to be a God and science collaboration. Like I'm not going to beat cancer without this chemo. You know, God featuring science, right? Like <laughs> I can't just pray right. and live. I don't oh, think yeah. that's going to work. Yeah, no. Right. So, you know, yeah. big shout out to Stanford and modern medicine. I had several people tell me there couldn't be a better time in history for you to get cancer. Really? And that always made me feel good. Yeah. Oh <laughs> like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, get I, cancer in 1920 and then see what happens, yeah. you know? Oh Yeah. 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 Are you still close with that pastor? Did, did you? I haven't spoken with him since they took my work phone because he was only in my uh, work phone. Okay, okay. But, uh, you know, like I said, the, the members of the church, yeah. not only my church, but the uh, just members that I met everywhere that belonged to different churches, he was willing to come and bring some of his clergy from Marin to my house in Hayward wow. just to bless me. Yeah. And, you know, I just thought, wow, you know, this guy who barely knows me, you know, I fixed his Mr. Movie phone. I fixed his Comcast a few times. He'd always call me for advice. You know, they're giving me the runaround. What should I do, Paul? You know, and uh, it's funny because when customers would call me sometimes when I'd be at home, I'd just look at my phone like, I'm not picking that up, right? Yeah. And one day, I was getting that call. 
and I was sitting on my couch and I was like, I'm not helping anyone. It's my Saturday or whatever, you know. And God came in my head and said, why are you being such a jerk? Somebody needs some help. Yeah. You're sitting on the couch. You ain't doing shit. Why don't you help this guy out? <laughs> or whoever's on the phone. Yeah. And I thought, you're right. And so I got up and I picked up the phone and it was the pastor. Uh, and he talked to me and made me feel better. And I thought, wow, if I didn't pick up that phone, you know, I wouldn't have heard from him. And, you know, I had members of my church, which I just started going to, surround me, touch me. A lady got down on her knees and put her hands on my toes and they all prayed and focused their energy on me. Hmm. And it was a little awkward. I was kind of like, you know, back up, your hands <laughs> off me, back up yeah. a little, you know, but then I realized I was just, you know, that's just me being, yeah. you know, whatever. But the love and support that I got from the church was amazing. Yeah. And so, you know, I recommend to everybody, you know, you don't have to be a super religious zealot to go to church and make some friends and believe in God. You know, I, I don't try to preach to anybody, but if you see what I just went through yeah. and you don't believe in God, you're crazy because God saved my life. I, I don't know anybody who's ever gotten a second chance from cancer. Oh, yeah. I'm like the only one that and, and sometimes that feels a little guilty, you know. Because, I, I mean, I, but it gives people strength. But there, there's people that, you know, look at me like, well, my Joe didn't, you know, get yeah. to survive. And he, you know, believed in God. And so it, it's kind of hard because. It makes you more grateful, though, in a way, too, right? Because, you know, it's. I just, <laughs> I feel like I'm showing off sometimes or something when I'm like, you know, God saved me. And yeah, no, yeah, I get what you're saying. People are like, well. You know, if God was real, he would have saved my little sister or yeah. something, you know. Which I'm sure you've gotten that with talking about this. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And, yeah. you know, I I, just, I don't know what to say about that. I feel bad about that. But I don't know what the deal was yeah. with with you guys and God at the time. Or, you know, like you said, maybe it was your time to go home. Maybe yeah. God wanted to, to take you, you know. My aunt, she was a nurse. Long-time medical field hero. Got cancer died within a couple years yeah and shocked everyone yeah. like you know cancer never ceases to shock with how quickly it will kill you yeah no yeah man it can go within i've seen it within like eight months and yeah, it's crazy right? like eight less months, than a year it does a lot of changes in and um have you i do you plan on in the future or or you know talking to people who, who are dealing with cancer or people who've lost people with cancer? You know, I would love to. Um, and, you know, that was kind of the deal I had with God is I was just like, you know, you made my cup runneth over, my arms are open. You can bring me anybody. Uh, just show me. Yeah. Show me the way. Show me the people. Uh, and I will try my best to help them. So I thought writing a book might help some people if they read it, you know, and especially if they had cancer, because when I had cancer, you know, you're flipping through the internet and it, you just feel hopeless. Like yeah. there's a bunch of trolls and then there's a bunch of sad stories and 
there's no hope. It's like, cancer, you're dead, forget it. And there's no, there's very few that beat cancer. Yeah. Right? So that sucks, but... So you're open to people reaching out to you. For sure. Where can sure. where can we reach out? Like people, someone listening, maybe have someone who wants to reach out to you. Where can they reach out to you? So uh, my name is Paul Stephen Wood, S-T-E-V-E-N. So my email is paulstephenwood510 at yahoo.com. You can always send me emails. Um, you know, and the beginner stock trader thing. I'm yeah. always down to teach people. I charge a $50 fee. It's a one-time fee. We sit down for an hour. After the hour's done, you'll be set up with an account. You'll understand how to trade stocks, and you'll be trading as soon as you put some money in and, and get to work. Okay. I don't suggest which companies you trade or anything yeah. like that. I'm not like a guide. Mm-hmm. I just teach you the basics and basically put your legs on so you know what you're doing. And I make it simple. Yeah. It's like, it's not, you know, I feel like this is one of those areas that they try to keep us out of. Yeah. Because you're just too dumb to understand that. Because we're blue, blue, blue collar workers. So it's right. stay in your lane kind of a thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're not no, smart yeah. enough. You're it's not, like a different language. You know, I used to look at the paper, the newspaper <clears throat> and see the stocks in the back. And I would tell myself I'm not smart enough to understand that. But I know people are getting rich right there. And if I could get rich, you know, I would want to understand that. Oh, yeah. So what I do is I make it easy for people. I make it so basic. And then you say the name again. It's uh, well, the website is beginnerstocktrader.net. But you can email me and just say, hey, you know, I want to meet up next week. I can do it over the phone with you, too. But um, as far as cancer, yeah. Anybody who wants to contact me and talk about it. Yeah, uh, I'm more than happy because you know i owe it i owe it you know i'm gonna pay it forward any way i can i'm I'm so happy to be here that's why i'm starting to try to write some comedy like (laughs) i've never done comedy but i'm like why not yeah you know if you suck so what you'll still laugh at it people will laugh and say man you really suck and it'll still (laughs) be fun but you know just you gotta try everything man yeah gotta try everything yeah definitely man um Man, like I, I appreciate you coming out and talking to us, and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm glad you're gonna keep writing. It seems like it, so I look forward to that. Um, the book that's out available right now, Runneth Over. Runneth Over. And you can find it on Amazon. It's on Amazon. And then the one year, the one year, uh, you want to keep that private so for now. On Amazon, you have to type in Paul S. Wood. <coughs> okay. And then Runneth Over. Because there's other stuff. And then you'll see it. There's, okay. There's other stuff with okay. Runneth Over in it, yeah. and you may not find the book, but if you type Paul S. Wood, Runneth Over, you'll see it. Right on. Um, and yeah, I'm continuing to write. So I started my motivational book, Yeah. but then when I realized that I could probably write something really scary, yeah. uh, I interrupted that uh, motivational book to try to get this book out by Halloween. So I'm in crunch time right now. I'm working with my artist to get these images over, and I'm just proofreading and trying to flesh out as much as I can before I actually, you know, yeah, put a title on it. Um, but it, you want to release it right before Halloween? I'm trying to. Okay. Uh, the, the publishing process sometimes can take a few weeks. Yeah. So it might be a little late, but we'll see. 
uh, I don't want to rush my artist. I'm yeah. letting him do his thing, and okay. I don't want to pressure him. So uh, I pay him good money to come up with some cool images. He, uh, he's done some really cool artwork for me. So uh, right now, I might be calling it the Shrieking Willows. I'm mm. not sure. I'm trying to come up with a creepy name. That's the creepiest one I got so far. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I look forward to 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 because I we love horror stories. These guys run a horror <laughs> a horror anthology. Frosted mini fears. Frosted mini fears. Yeah. So. Really. You know, we could possibly, if, if you are willing, <laughs> make a short film based on one of it's your one of your short horror, horror stories. Hey, I mean, I'd love to have you guys critique this story. Like, when I get done with it, maybe before I publish it, I'll secretly kick it over to you, and you guys read it and just pick it apart and tell me what you think. Because, you know, JD's a new member of our uh, our FMF team, so... Yeah, no, definitely, man. Three of us. Yeah. Me, JD, and Phil. Not Gaspar. He's he's not an FNF member, but you know <laughs> he went to the bathroom right now. This guy, <laughs> no nah, man. But we appreciate you come coming out, and maybe we'll you know another time if you're free, you could come back and and. Uh, I would love to, man. Yeah, dude, this has been fun, man. Um, you got anything else you want to sh- plug uh, out there? Just wanna... wanted to thank you guys for showing interest, and yeah. uh, you know, like I said, if you know somebody that has cancer, <clears throat> don't be afraid to hug them, tell them you're thinking about them. Um, you know, tell them that you're in their corner, you know, because they just need spiritual strength. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm just a regular dude, just like you, who all of a sudden got a death sentence. Yeah. And nobody is ready for that, prepared for that. Nobody knows how to deal with that. Uh, and you internalize it and it's just stresses you out and you realize that you need to have a strong spirit. So your friends and your family, every word they say to you becomes amplified and super important. You don't have to get super mushy and be like, yeah, I know you're going to die, but I love you. You know, don't do all that. But just be like, you know, you've always been a strong one and I know you can get through this and I'm here with you. It's not over. We're going to fight and pray. Pray to the Lord because the Lord is, he gets credit for everything. And remember, everything that you have already gotten is enough. So if you ever did get a death sentence, look back on all the gifts that you've been given and be grateful. Don't just be like, I'm getting cheated. I'm going to die. This isn't fair. You know, you've had countless memories and hours and times that the lord has given you so everybody's time here is is limited and is short yeah uh appreciate what you already have and if you are not promised tomorrow that's okay too you know if the god if god wants to take you he's got he's got a reason he's got a purpose for you you know my aunt like i said she was a saint uh she helped people she was in the medical field for many years and for her to get cancer and die i felt like was really hard for me like god how could you do this to somebody who served you she was deep in the church served you and served people for so long well it's because he's not doing something bad to her he scooped her up and said come on it's time you i gotta put you on the team and we gotta fight yeah you know because i i believe there is a fight between good and evil that is waged 
daily yep. between the living and the dead. And yeah. that when you die, you are still fighting oh, I, on whichever side you're on. Yeah. Right? No, yeah. I, that's something I definitely believe in. And, and, and it's on the day to day, it's it's clear, you know? <laughs> yeah. With uh, what you said too, man, it's, it's easy to forget all that. Like you said, you already had enough. You've had a lot to be grateful for. On yeah. the day to day grind, it's, it's, it's kind of, uh, you can forget that easily. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It, it, <laughs> like yeah. I, I stop and, you know, you have a bad week and sometimes that can amplify the, the negative thoughts in your For head. Sure. And, and For sure. No, yeah. you have to really think about all the sunsets that you've seen, all yeah. the great chicken you've eaten, like just yeah. every little thing that has been so amazing. Right. You know, if you were just a little black dot and you had no vision, no hearing, no sense of smell, you had nothing. And if God gave you one of those things, you would be overwhelmed with joy. Oh, yeah. But he's given you all of them and then let you live day after day. You wake up, you have a new day, new experiences, new friends, new family, like God never stops giving you amazing things. So, you know, if the time ever does come and somebody says, you know, it's going to be time to punch out, don't be so afraid. Just remember all the things that you've been given. Amen. Thanks, Jay. Man, thank you for coming out, bro. It's been great. And uh, yeah, you guys got any closing remarks? I think we're good to go, man. I just want to thank you for coming out and sharing your story. It was powerful. I think a lot of people in this room either have known someone with with cancer or know someone else who knows someone who's known someone with cancer. So going through a bad time, you you know, know, in general. Yeah. You know, and it's really helpful to hear a story of hope, you know, um, because it is rare hearing. a, a Yeah. Yeah, hearing the victory, right? I I think that's one other thing I wanted to say is that you might be having a bad day. Yeah. You don't have cancer. Yeah. (laughs) That's a great time. Okay. Like, you might be having a bad day. Everything. You don't have cancer. Is so trivial (laughs) after you get a diagnosis of cancer. Like, having a bad day, like, who cares? Like, that's nothing. It's like, yeah, I'm homeless, but at least I don't have cancer. Right? Yeah. Hey, serious. So yeah. remember that. Everybody keep your head up, and thank you guys for having me. Thank you, man. And I, You're welcome. It doesn't get better than that. We're out. We're out. We're out.